Brother Putnam, would you come and take your liberty again today? Again, we want to thank you so much for you and your wife coming and being with us, Alaska. Amen. Thank you, Brother Parrish. Praise God. Glad you all returned. <laughs> Builds our confidence. Amen. So if you'll stand with me again. Brother Bagwell told me that I've already stole his message for tomorrow. I heard about that one time about uh, the, the district meeting. And uh, it was a, a morning session. And uh, the superintendent went to a very young licensed uh, minister and said, uh, uh, I would like for you to speak at the afternoon service. And the young man was just absolutely shocked. This was a district meeting and, and so forth. And so he didn't even bring his Bible to the session. And, and so he, everybody went for the break, and, and it was going to be an hour or so. And so he starts looking for a Bible, and he found a Bible. It was kind of up towards the platform. And... Uh, and uh, he started searching to find a scripture, and he found these notes. And he thought, praise God, because, you know, he told, he told the, the superintendent, and he says, he says, well, I don't know what I'm going to preach because I don't even have my Bible with me. And the superintendent says, God will provide. <laughs> and so he thought, well, praise God. So he preached that message. Much to the superintendent's dismay, because that was his keynote message for that evening. <laughs> and so he goes up to the young man and he says, do you know what you just did? Son, you just preached the message I'm going to preach, I'm supposed to preach tonight. Now what am I going to do? And the young man says, God will provide. <laughs> so. And he does every time. Amen. While you're standing, if you have your Bibles, a very familiar scripture found in the 29th chapter of Proverbs, uh, King James. Uh, matter of fact, why don't we read it together? Amen. And I do thank you for your kindness and, and words of kindness, but we know where all stuff comes from and... Uh, and especially when it comes to preaching. And, and uh, matter of fact, I can remember when as a young minister, we were down in Kentucky. I was actually in a hospital waiting room. And I looked at this magazine. It was some religious periodical. And, and it said, how to prepare a message. And I started reading it. And it said, look over your congregation and see your troubled people. And whatever their trouble is going through, then that's a good way to start your message. And I thought, boy, is that a bunch of bunk. And I closed the, the magazine, and all of a sudden, some guy just walks in front of me, and he's carrying a book, and it said, Five Smooth Stones. And immediately, God gave me a message right there. And I thought, that's the way it should be done. Amen. That... Uh, and then you take that thought and go study it out, you know. Amen. Proverbs 29 and 18, let's read it together. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law 
happy is he. Do you think I'm into happiness? You know, life is much too short to take everything so seriously. Amen. You might as well have a good time. I mean, I know that there's very serious moments in life. And there's a lot of tears in life. But we might as well be happy people. Because God wants us to be a happy people. Recognizing that he is always in control. And that he is able. Everybody say he's able. But the writer of Proverbs says, where there is no vision, people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Another scripture found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm actually reading this out of the New King James Version. In verse 11 it says, Therefore we also pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. In this session, I just simply want to speak today about vision, a word that requires action. A word that requires action. Amen. Brother Glover, would you pray? Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. The patriarch David wrote in Psalm 139, he said in verse 14, he said, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Marvelous are his works. Can you say amen? amen? His works are absolutely mind-blowing. It's amazing what God will and can do if we will recognize it and allow him to do it. Amen. And when one takes a good look at their own body, we readily understand that we have been divinely planned and fashioned. We realize uh, how complex uh, and how majestic these fleshly machines uh, really are. And some of us just have more machine than others. Just to think, as I speak even right now, there are billions of synaptic connections that are taking place in, our, in my brain and in your brain at millisecond speeds that are constantly operating. It is absolutely amazing. It's mind-blowing. When I consider our five senses of touch and taste and smell and hearing and seeing, 
It's mind-blowing at best. We so many times take these miraculous senses for granted. But how wonderful each of them are. When I contemplate the wonder of sight, just trying to comprehend that what all goes into action when I simply wake up each morning and my eyes first open, uh, the vastness, the color, the depth perception, the beauty that is beheld, it's miraculous. Especially if I'm looking at my wife. The aura of vision of what we call sight is truly amazing. My heart goes out to those who have no outward physical vision, those that are blind. In no way am I diminishing their worth. It's just that knowing that they are missing out on so much of what can be witnessed and enjoyed. No wonder when Jesus asked that blind man what he would have the Lord do for him, the very first thing he responded, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And church, the point here is what is true in the physical is also true in the spiritual. Just as you and I can physically see, we also need to have a spiritual vision as well. Potential leaders within the body of Jesus Christ, the church, that have no spiritual vision are robbing themselves and others of what God has determined to do through them. One of the definitions that the dictionary gives for vision is a mental image of what the future will or could be like. <laughs> Brothers, all of us need a vision for our lives. Where do you want to be five years from now? What do you want to be five years from now? What would you like to be doing five years from now? Start to calculate a vision. And we all need direction of what we should do with our lives. And better yet, what does God want to do with our lives? Amen. However, the kind of vision that I feel impressed to talk about in this session is far more than just what I can imagine or think. There has also got to be a divine vision of what God already has determined for us to do. Amen. Through his willing vessels. And that is why the word vision, though it is listed in the English language dictionary as a noun, I believe in God's vocabulary, vision is an action word. Amen. I mean, when you stop and think about the magnitude of God, several years ago, uh, we were able to take nine other pastors with us, and we were invited to a White House uh, briefing uh, and uh, we were able to take other pastors with us, and we did. We, we, we all flew from Milwaukee uh, to Washington, D.C., you know, landed there at Reagan National, and, uh, and the next day was the briefing. We were there at the White House, and we heard several different speakers. We went to the Israeli um, um, 
consulate and and we heard from uh, dignitaries there and and then uh, it was just simply a matter of us going back to the airport uh, and uh, getting uh, on the plane and flying back to Mitchell Field in Milwaukee we're waiting in the you know like all of us have done in flying you know we're waiting there in the in the seating session waiting for the flight the the, the plane comes into the gate and all of a sudden there's two ambulances that are following the plane and we're going, well, that doesn't look good. And then this is just the beginning of smartphones. And at that time, I had still a dumb phone. And so um, uh, we were, uh, my, my son had a smartphone, and, and he was with us. And he said, hey, Dad, they just canceled our flight. And one of our pastors, now this is on a, a Friday night, and so one of our pastors says, man, i got to get back home. i got to get ready for Sunday, you know, and, and, and so forth. Well, here what happened is uh, one of those serving carts got loose. Uh, I don't know if coming down or whatever, it hit one of the stewardesses. I don't know what it did to her leg, but she couldn't walk, and, and so they had the ambulance there, and they canceled the flight because you can only fly with a certain amount of stewardesses, and you don't have, if you have one less, then they can't go but yet the plane still had to go back empty to Milwaukee to be a part of the rotation and our pastor is saying I'll sign a waiver just get me on that plane I gotta get home my son and I are up at the register because we got nine guys here now and uh, we gotta make some other arrangements and all of a sudden my son looked at me and I looked at him and both of us at the same time said dad there's a reason for this. We had no idea what it was. They put us on the they put us up in a hotel the next morning. We had to take a six o'clock in the morning flight to Philadelphia and then Philadelphia on. We get to Philadelphia, they put us on this regional jet. You know, I'm a big guy, and my son's even bigger than I. He's six foot five, weighs about <clears throat> none of your business. But, uh, and uh, and uh, we're scattered all over the plane. And I'm sitting close to the back. There was nobody beside me, and there's one lady in front of me. And we were just, you know, the people were getting on. And, and she just kind of looked over at me, and she says, Boy, these airplanes aren't what they used to be. These airlines aren't what they used to be. And I said, well, I said, you can tell me that. I said, well, just yesterday, and I went through the whole story. And, and she said, yeah, she says, these planes, these airlines need prayer just like I do. I said, ma'am, I said, I'm a minister. Is there anything I can help you with? She's looking through the crack in the seats. And she said, well, she says, my husband is committing adultery on me. And this is the second time. And I just don't know what to do. So the plane's backing away from the gate. And all of us that have flown, you know the centrifugal force as we're going down the runway and take off. And I'm trying to pull all of this weight up to that crack in the seat. And I start praying for her. The more I pray, the more she starts breaking down and she's crying. So afterwards, and I'll be quick here. Afterwards, I said, um, 
where do you live? And she said she lived in British Columbia. And I said, oh, really? And then I got to thinking, well, hmm, certainly they have flights that go from Philadelphia to Seattle or, you know, why is she going to Milwaukee? So I asked her, I said, well, why are you going to Milwaukee? She said, oh, she said, my husband and I have a second home there. She said her husband worked for CNN, and uh, he was a documentary guy and film guy. And, and uh, she said, we have a second home in a little town north of Milwaukee. And I said, oh, really? What's that? She said, oh, it's this little town called Kohler. <laughs> well, my son pastors in Sheboygan Falls, which just happens to abet Kohler. And I am preaching for my son that next morning. And I said, Nan, I said, you see that big guy that's up there? I said, that's my son. He pastors in Sheboygan Falls. And I said, and I'm preaching for him tomorrow. And I said, Nan, I'd be honored if you came tomorrow. And she said, what time? What time? Next day, 10, 10 after 10, here walks in Nan Gorecki, first time ever in a Pentecostal church. She cries her eyeballs out. I wish I could report to you she got the Holy Ghost, we baptized her, but that's not the deal. And I have learned, I've lived long enough to realize, folks, we enter into other men's labors. Hello? And not everybody has to just fall to their knees and get the Holy Ghost just because we talk to them. We never know what part we may have in the whole process. We got to be patient with God. Because I already figured that if God could rearrange a flight to put us on that flight, put me right behind her and to talk and pray with her and that her end up. And at the end of the service, Brother Churchill, she said, John, she said, I am sorry about your group and how they were delayed. But she said, nobody could convince me that God didn't put you behind me. And you know why? Because she was going to Kohler because and her family was coming up from Florida to meet with her because her family was afraid that she was going to commit suicide. Without a vision. I'm talking about a divine vision that we don't see necessarily, but God does. And that you and I need to be willing to go with his flow. Somebody say amen. You see, we are rapidly approaching the end of the age. I do believe that the coming of our Lord is near. I believe that for a long time. How about you? But you know what? When two millennials ago when there was a whole city of Samaritans coming towards him, Jesus said to his own disciples, he said, Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. He said, Behold, I say unto you, lift up your 
eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he, say both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true. One soweth, another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. Brothers, no scripture is any more point on than this one. For in this present age of which you and I live, we are not the first ones to openly declare this apostolic message. Generations have come and have gone. And those before us have sown a righteous seed of his word. But the need is just as real right this moment. As when Jesus was witnessing those people coming toward him that day, he is ever witnessing men and women coming toward him even this very hour. And it is imperative that we lift up our eyes and look upon the potential fields. The baton of the gospel of Jesus Christ has been passed into our hands. Amen. When I was teaching school, I used to Coach, or not coach, I used to be a, a field judge for track meets, relay races, and high jump, and that kind of thing. And I noticed, uh, or at least I found out in those relay races, some of you may have ran track, that in those relay races, uh, there is a thing called the exchange zone. Hello? You have just a certain amount of space before you get the which is the most important thing of the race. The focus is on the baton. And church, in this race of Jesus Christ, uh, the focus is on the message. The one God apostolic Jesus' name message uh, of being born again of water and of spirit. Uh, Amen. And we've got to make sure that we get this baton into the next generation in the change zone that God grants us to happen. Amen. Brother Ingalls, come up here. Thank you for volunteering to help me preach. Okay? You're just brand new, okay? Okay? And I'm an old codger. All right? And you know, sometimes in these exchanges and transitions, there can be a lot of turmoil and a lot of trouble. Church, I'm telling you, even in our own organization, Brother Parrish can vouch for this, we are in an exchange zone around the world of our own organization of making sure that we're getting the truth into the hands of the next generation that are going to take it. And we only have a certain amount of time. Can I tell you, we have got to have a certain un, 
question vision of what God is doing and trust just like God called each of us that are older when we were young amen God entrusted us with the gospel God has entrusted this young man with the gospel and now I am getting I believe me I've got a whole lot less time to go than I've already came so consequently we've got to make sure from one generation to the other that we're getting this into their hand. Now I'm noticing track. Okay, did you ever run track? Oh, you did. You ever run the relay race? No. Okay. So now, if indeed I've got the baton, I'm holding on to it now, and I want to hold on to it right. But you know what? we got to be careful that we don't hold on to it in our generation so long that we miss our time period. Hello? So I've got to be willing, everybody say willing, to let go. And I have the responsibility to make sure that it is entrusted and firmly placed in the next generation. His duty, at least in a relay, if you, you know, if you're in a relay race, if you'll notice, uh, the one that's about to get the, the baton, they don't spend a whole lot of time looking back. You know why? Because if you look back while you're running, it's kind of looking like overplace when you're driving. You don't know where you're going to end up. You gotta just glance back, and just because that they don't accept everything how we used to do it, am I making sense here? I'm talking about vision. And this is an action. We've got to make sure that indeed that he is not just going to try, amen, to do everything just like we did it because he'll fail. He'll wreck because God is calling him to the next level and the next era of which the church will continue to go. So consequently, Amen. As I am running, and I don't run as fast as I used to. Amen. If I am running, then we start in this going, this exchange zone. You put your hand back, you look back, and I make sure that I get that and he keeps on. And then you got to be sure that you encourage one another as we preached in the last session and help one another, nurture one another, amen, to keep everybody on the right track. You see, in this relay race, the baton is the focus. The truth is the focus. Brothers, can I say, lift up your eyes and look upon the fields of souls of our day. The songwriter penned those lyrics well as if Jesus himself was making the appeal. The song says, my house is full, but my fields are empty. Who will go and work for me today? Jesus was in a house in Capernaum and he was there to teach I think this is very interesting. 
It says in the 17th verse of the fifth chapter of Luke, it says, and it came to pass on a certain day. Everybody say certain day. As he was teaching, there were Pharisees. Everybody say Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And I love this next phrase. It says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Amen. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the house of, you know the story, and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst of before Jesus And the Bible says, when Jesus saw their faith. Folks, please go back to that 17th verse. It says, the power of the Lord was to heal them. But the only one that I read about that got healed was him. Because somebody had a vision beyond just being a part of a group, but wanting, amen, to make sure that they got the need of a friend or a loved one or whatever to the feet of the Lord. Make sense? Church, we dare not and we cannot just hide within the four walls of our sanctuaries without fulfilling the master's command of go. Just stop and think about it. If you look at the visionary plan of the ark in Noah's day, it would have been just a tremendous idea of saving Noah's household if he had not labored and put into action the process of what he was, what he was shown. The vision of making the tabernacle would have been just that of an elaborate plan had not Moses put the plan into action. Solomon's temple that we spoke about last night would have been a wonderful dream. And it would have been only that had not Solomon put to use what his father David had gathered for him to use. Church, we have got to quit just talking about making disciples and actively reach forth for our communities across your state. And I know you've got challenges, logistical challenges, but we need to get out of our comfort zones and go and do it by God's grace. In the Old Testament, we read about Hannah that was barren, and she went to the temple to cry out to God for a child. She did not just sit at home and hope about her barren condition, she got tired of being barren. She went into action mode, and she got up and went into the house of God. Out of desperation, she earnestly prayed. Eli the high priest saw her in her desperate condition, thinking and accusing her of being intoxicated because her lips moved, but he heard nothing. It was the yearning of her soul that was being poured out. Church, God's vision is a result of earnest praying. His plan and will will come as he sees fit. Jesus said, ask and it shall be given you. 
Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Eli prophesied that Hannah's request would be granted. And after the birth of her son Samuel, she went back to the temple to pray once again. But this time it was a prayer of thanksgiving for God's answer. And 1 Samuel 2 and 1 says, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. Are we rejoicing over our salvation, folks? He said, she said, there is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. And then she prayed the very principle of which I'm trying to bring forth today. She prayed, talk no more exceedingly proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. Church, our vision must be followed by our actions. First of all, I'm grateful for what the Lord has and is doing in the Wisconsin district. I'm thankful for men and women of God that have desired to see God's vision fulfilled in the district. God has blessed and added to his kingdom through people just like you that are willing to put his vision into action. One of the text verses that I read, it says, therefore we also pray, this is in 2 Thessalonians, therefore we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling. Well, I know we have a whole room full of called people here today. Called of God. To do what? To go and make disciples. Amen? Doesn't say called and to preach sermons. Or called and to do Bible studies. It says called and to go and make disciples. Reach people. That is every one of us that are born again. Our Lord has instructed all of us that he has called to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, everybody say all things, that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. But Paul went on and he said this, and listen carefully, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. The Lord desires to work through each of us. I think I've heard that this morning in a devotion. In fulfilling the vision, everybody say vision, that not what we have, but what he has given to us for his purpose. He has given us the power to do what he has shown us to do. 
And then it goes on in Thessalonians that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, this is the key. We need to know what the Lord's will is for our individual communities. I appreciate those who have had success in their locales and have written instruction manuals of how to have revival and church growth. I do appreciate them. But I have witnessed too many frustrated leaders that have put those same plans into practice in their locales and have, read and have had absolutely no results. So what's the deal? What's the problem? I believe that God never intended, listen carefully, that his work would ever be just an instantaneous off-the-shelf program. You know, just add water and voila, instant growth. We will never get instant growth from just trying to duplicate someone else's vision for their locale. Why? Because God is sovereign. And I believe he has a plan or a vision for every community. We know that the gospel is the same. We know he has the same salvation message for all. But if there is anything I've learned in these last 46 years of living for him, is I know that our God knows how to talk. And he knows our individual situations better than anyone else. Just like the marriage feast of Cana. The mother of Jesus said it right. Mary said to those servants, whatsoever he says to you, do it. Whether you understand it, just do it. Amen. Call me old-fashioned, old-school, or what, but I do believe that God still gives to each and every one that is asking for an answer an answer. Amen. Amen. I am sure you've heard the story about Sister Nona Freeman. Amen. Back in Rose Pine, Louisiana. Amen. She's... That's when Brother and Sister Freeman were just starting. It was their first church in Rose Pine, and, and uh, they were there, and uh, she was in her kitchen, uh, and she was washing dishes, Brother Wagner, and, and the Lord spoke to her and said, take your dish rag, go out on your porch, and just start waving it. Remember that? So she goes out there. They're the last house on the way out of town. She's out there for 10, 15 minutes. God, what's all this about? Her arm.
arm was getting tired, so it was not as enthusiastic as it when it first started. Huh? And all of a sudden, she sees a car, a real car with four wheels coming down the road, and she gets revived. And she's out there, and when they go by, she even looks real good, like she's just really waving at her. She said, God, what's with this? Well, they go on. They become missionaries to Africa. They become the RFDs of Africa, regional field directors. I think it was like 40 years had passed and they're back deputizing in Rose Pine, Louisiana. And at the end of the service, a man comes up and says, Sister Freeman, you don't know me, but I used to be the town drunk. And I didn't think that anybody really loved me. Anybody really cared about me. And I had my rifle on the car seat and I was on my way out of town Amen to kill myself when all of a sudden I saw the Pentecostal preacher's wife out on the porch and she was waving some kind of a cloth and she was waving right at me and I just figured God if the Pentecostal preacher's wife has enough love for me then you must love me and he was in the church. Now wait a minute. I don't know of anything that just comes just so natural with us and God that just, he always makes it challenging for us. Hello? He always makes it challenging for us. I was preaching a revival in Watauga, Texas for a home missionary and I got there a day early and pardon these personal references but there's a reason why I'm telling you this and, and, and uh, the pastor asked me, he said, Brother Putnam said, we've got a new lady coming to church. Uh, she's been baptized uh, and she came in the very first of the year. This was, I think, in March, I think, and, and she came in the first of the year and she gotten baptized, but she was having real difficulty, uh, amen, with the, receiving the Holy Ghost. Uh, and, and Brother Glover, uh, uh, he asked me if I would just preach a, or teach a Bible study on receiving the Holy Ghost. So we did. And she was, you know, her eyes were getting kind of watery and so forth. And I said, would you like to receive the Holy Ghost? She said, yes, I would. And I said, okay, well, let's, let's start praying. And so we're praying. And five minutes goes by and ten minutes goes by. And, and I'm kind of thinking, well, you know, and she's still praying. And, and I think, well, you know, sometimes you just got to wait on God. And, and you know, you got to wait for people, you know. And, and I get over to the side, Brother Churchill, of the, of the church, and the Lord speaks to me. Well, you got to understand, when we first got there, she was already in the parking lot, and when she got out, she had two kids that got out of the car. Of course, I don't know this lady from Adam. She doesn't know me. I'm trying to break the ice. And I said, oh, you have two children? She said, yes, I have two. She introduced me to them. They were like 10 and 6 years old and, and so forth. And so I know she's got two kids. And so we're, we're now praying, and the Holy Ghost speaks to me and says, she has an older daughter, and they don't get along. See, these are the kinds of challenges that God gives us. I'm going, that, 
you know, but this time you should just say, do it. But you know what? We deal with these things called rationalization. Hmm? God, she told me out of her own mouth she had two children. And I am not that blind. I see two kids in this room. I argued with God for at least another 10 minutes while she's praying. And finally I said, okay, God, I give up. I go up to her. I said, ma'am, do you have an older daughter? And I mean, she went up like this and tears popped out of her eyes and started coming down her face. The pastor was going, he was behind her. He was going to me. In other words, you're going down the wrong road. This is not of God. But when those tears came, she said, yes, I do. And the first thing she said was, we do not get along. And I said, ma'am, I don't want to have to know anything. But all I'll tell you is, if you'll make it right with God and right with your daughter, you won't have any problem receiving the Holy Ghost. She went home that night after not talking with her daughter for the last four years. She called up her daughter, made it right on the phone, and then that weekend she received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, the point is this. Church, we in this generation of ours right now, we're not going to get this out of a a how-to manual except for this how-to manual. We're going to get this out of being sensitive to the voice and the leadership of God's Spirit. Amen. Because God knows what he's doing. And God has all kinds of intricate ways of how he sets up situations. Brother Parrish just shared with us last night, amen, about his daughter and, and so forth. And, and I, I got distracted in that deal. But uh, my wife was telling me about it when we got back to the room, Brother Parrish. And, you know, only God can set up this kind of thing. That what his daughter has is one in a million people, and somebody calls him whose daughter has just, daughter was it? Daughter had just had the same thing, one in a million, and they find out that she lives right across the street from him. And now they go to their church, and they're here in Anchorage now, I guess. Church, we've got to be led by the Spirit of God. We've got to be indeed willing to fulfill God's vision and God's purpose. Can you say amen? I want you to know, amen, uh, God knows how to show his leaders what they are to do. And then I simply just got to believe that he expects us to put his plan, not my plan, his plan into action. Now, I'm nobody special. I really am not. And I've heard too many times, at least in Wisconsin, than I desire about Putnam's vision for the Wisconsin district. But the truth of the matter is, it was never and has never been Putnam's vision. I know where I was in 2004 when asking and seeking and knocking about what God would have us to do in the Badger State. 
And God gave me his plan. I take no credit for it as to what his will was for the revival growth structure of Wisconsin. The Lord showed me that we needed to get to the grassroots of our sections and allow those closest to the harvest field to work together in believing, planting, and harvesting those fields. Thus, our vision model, which we call SOAR, which means sectional oversight, accelerating revival, amen, came into into being. And at that time, we had 54 churches, 2004. We had 54 churches and some uh, uh, 16 daughter works in the district. Our district board then set a faith goal. Everybody say a goal. Using God's vision. It was our goal, but it was God's vision for growth. Brothers, there is a big difference in just goal setting rather than knowing and following after God's vision. Goals come into play when we are actively going forth following God's plan. Our district goal in following God's vision was that by the end of 2010 that we would have 100 works in the district. Thank God for the unity and the willingness of our pastors and ministers that were willing to believe and to act upon the vision. For at the end of 2010, we had 102 works. All glory to God. It was his plan. And he gave the increase. Working through us as we put his vision into action. And Paul wrote to the Thessalonians that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill. Everybody say fulfill. All the good pleasure of his goodness and the work. Everybody say the work of faith with power. God enabled us. God granted us his favor in fulfilling his plan. So it was not just a figment of my imagination, but it was God's vision. And when we were willing to put it into action, God gave us his favor and power to see it through. And here we are at the end of the second month of 2017, and the vision is still being fulfilled. Right now, I thank God for over 138 works that are actively reaching out in making disciples in Wisconsin. We are seeing the vision continue as new works are being inaugurated and supported by the unity of the pastors and leaders of each section as God has led us in his vision. What is too hard for God? What is too hard for God? Hmm? What'd you say, Brother Yaden? Nothing. I know that we can come up with a whole lot of excuses why we can't. But if we have God's vision, we already know that we can. Hello? We already know that we can. 
Isaiah penned it for all of us to hear and obey. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If we will but learn to wait for God, for his direction and vision, and be willing to obey what he tells us to do, then we will mount up, we will run, and we will walk, and we will take what we have received and put it into action. And watch with joy how God adds to the church just as should and such as should be saved. There is not a preacher within the sound of my voice that doesn't have a testimony of how God spoke to you to go to some place for some time. And you obeyed and met the very reason why he sent you. And many of those people are still sitting in your pews yet today. Brothers, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And what God leads you to do, he will bring the fruit from it. Let's stand. Don't, don't be hesitant to ask him for the vision or the plan for your locality. One of the greatest things I fear in Wisconsin Because I know that our God doesn't change, but I know that our God's vision can change to do something else. And the thing that I fear is that, well, this has worked. Why change now? Am I making sense to you? Because remember, Go on into the next phase of how God sees his church. I am not talking about compromise. I am not talking about changing the word. I am not talking about watering down the gospel. I'm talking about us being as strong and as powerful as we ever have been. And if miracles is God's will, amen, then let there be miracles. Amen. If it's just preaching God's will, and we are to preach, go forth into all nations amen baptizing them in the name of Jesus Christ hallelujah you just gotta you know you just gotta be real and be willing because God is very interested in everybody outside our doors would you lift your hands right now I'm telling you, don't be afraid to follow through on what he tells you to do because vision is a word that requires 
your action. Father, I do pray, God, for the Alaska Yukon District right now, God, for every minister in here. God, I pray, dear Lord Jesus, that God in every locale, whatever the name of the city, whatever the region, whatever the area, God, you have a plan. And that God, I pray that God, that each of us would listen intently. And God, that we would not be afraid to wait on you. Amen. That we don't launch too quickly and we don't hold back too long, but that we would do what you tell us to do in the timeline that you tell us to do it in, and by God's grace, that we would see your fruit come forward from that, dear Lord God, in seeing a much greater harvest than what we've ever dreamed. We love you, God, and we thank you, God. Bless the pastors and the ministers and all the saints of God of the Alaska Yukon District. And let us lift up our eyes unto the fields. Amen. And not say it's yet four months, but look on that they are white, all ready to harvest. Amen. God bless you all. Amen.